0: Hello there, welcome to Talent and Growth, the podcast dedicated to talent attraction and talent retention. I'm your host, Paul Church. I'm also the co-founder of the Enemo Group. Um, If you're enjoying talent and growth so far, please do give us a like, give us a subscribe, share it with a friend, keep the movement going. Um, Today, uh, we are joined by Helen Murdoch. is the Talent Acquisition Manager at MPB. And we're talking about how to use feedback to improve the candidate experience. This is something that Helen is very passionate about. Uh, I follow her on LinkedIn and she's always posting useful content around this very issue and plenty others. Uh, But I hope you enjoy this episode, here's Helen. Helen, welcome to Talent and Growth. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks for the invite.
0: You're absolutely welcome and it's great to have you here. And um, look, please do start us off by telling us a bit about your background, your journey, your career and what you do now.
1: Sure. I am the Talent Acquisition Manager at MPB with the world's largest platform for buying and selling used photography and videography equipment. And what I've been doing since I joined last year is taking the company through a scale up, which has been really interesting. We've doubled in headcount and I'd never done that before. Um, I fell into recruitment about 10 years ago, which I think most people do, started agency doing tech recruitment. Um, But I really kind of got into it when I went in-house in 2015 and started learning about candidate experience, employer branding and data and all of these things that when you work in an agency, and especially in the ones I was in, it was just a right, get bums on seats and don't think about anything else. Um, So yeah, I've really been kind of exploring candidate experience and how to kind of make the recruitment process better.
0: Fantastic, and it's interesting. Yeah, a bit similar journey for myself in the sense, in the sense that um, I mean, I was very much agency side for most of my career, and having set up um, an embedded talent business, which is very much an in-house business partner, um, it's certainly. I suppose reignited what i love about recruitment and it's just so much deeper the the service you can have you're working on the other side of um uh, on the internal side in terms of candidate experience branding all that kind of things it's a completely new uh, element you never get exposure to really as an agency recruiter because of course you're just focused on Get that money in you know, bill 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 you know deal still deals, deals um and it's very very different life um and actually when i was uh, when i was at the core of, you know peak of my my agency side i just think God, i'll never go in house i'd never want that but i absolutely love what i do now and it's it just you have more of an impact don't you
1: i think so and just the the stuff that you learn and i think like like traditional agencies will always have their place but i'm seeing more of kind of embedded talent um, businesses, which I think is really good because you're learning so much more about how that business operates and and the values that a company has and what actually a candidate wants. And I think there's so much more success that comes from that. Absolutely.
0: And today we're talking about how to use feedback to improve the candidate experience. And so first question is, why is this topic so important to you? And I know it is important to you because I see your posts on LinkedIn. You post nearly as much as I do. So um, please do tell us why this is so important to you.
1: I think it's there's a number of factors, really. So it was something I was always interested in. So let's say when I was in agency, it was very much a candidates don't really matter. Let's just get on with it. And that never really sat quite quite right with me. And so when I went in-house, I started kind of thinking, right, how do I improve this? How do I make it better? And I found it really interesting to hear from candidates at all points of the journey of what was going well, but what wasn't going well and how I can improve. And it might just be you know, me as a people pleaser that I like to know all of these things, but I think getting feedback from people is so valuable because everyone has value, everyone has a voice and their opinions are really, really helpful. You get the odd few that give you like a rating of zero because they're annoyed at something that's beyond your control. Um, But you get some really rich data that has helped me improve my processes and I think made me a better recruiter because I understand what does that candidate actually want from me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Why is
0: it that despite feedback being so craved and appreciated. Why is that still an underemphasized uh, element of hiring processes?
1: I think people want to do better. I think giving candidates feedback feels like a really a really awkward thing to do. I think if you're telling someone that they've not got a job and then you want them to review you, people feel a bit uncomfortable about it and think, oh, God, what are they going to say? And I think sometimes it's easier to, to ignore um, the negative and just be like, right, that person's not got the job. I'm just going to move on. Um, and there's an element of the time that it takes so as part of the experiment that I did recently with our NPS surveys um, it was a lot of time looking at that data and actually responding to people giving people more feedback um, but I think without that though you don't have the power to to make changes and so I think people get stuck in this cycle of just uh, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and hope for the best and hope for the best and I just think talent teams are really stretched talent partners are stretched agency were, um recruiters are stretched and so it's this constant cycle of not having enough time but that feedback is so valuable that i'm sacrificing parts of my time now so that i can get that knowledge and it's saving me more time down the line
0: yeah, absolutely i think um i mean no one likes giving bad news today and i think there's, you know it's one of the perhaps one of the elements of the job people don't look forward to but um it's, you know, we, I suppose we've gone past the day. I mean, it used to be the days used to be, people used to hear nothing at all, you know, not even a, a yes or a no in the decisions. And uh, we've evolved now to really feedback should be an integral part of the process. And I, I, am, I am seeing more and more of it being talked about and actually being part of a, um, I've seen some uh, companies talk about on their job adverts that at the very least it's going to happen, you're going to get some feedback from us knowing how to do better next time. And that's that, that's, that's quite engaging for people, particularly kind of uh, Gen Z, isn't it?
1: It is. And I think it, it's honestly the bare minimum that you can do when you've got an ATS or you've got your CRM or something like that. It's literally a click of a button to be able to send someone an automated rejection. And when I was doing my experiment with MPS, so doing it every stage of the journey, I did an interview and um, reviewing stage and then, you know, phone screen interview like you would. Um And I got some really positive scores from people just because I gave them an answer. And it was good in a way because I was like, oh, someone's ranked me a 10. This is fantastic. But... In my, in my perspective, it is the bare minimum that I'm doing for that person to to let them know that they can tick that off their list or update their spreadsheet if they're applying for a lot of jobs.
0: What's well, interesting is you used to see, I think you used to see a lot on LinkedIn of, of uh, candidates complaining about being ghosted by recruiters. Uh, now I, th- I see more the other way around of ca- recruiters complaining about being ghosted by candidates, but I think that's because you reap what you sow, and that's what we—I think that's what we've created, isn't it? A little bit in the, in the past in recruitment, anyway.
1: A little bit, yeah. But I think like candidates just have so much choice now. Like I think in the ideal world, you know, they could just send me a WhatsApp to say thanks, but no thanks. But in reality, there's so many opportunities that you kind of can't take it to heart, and yeah, maybe it is a bit of karma over what used to happen. I think when it's about gathering that feedback, I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but I think it's focusing on the success. So you get your feedback from the people that you've hired. And so that's always going to be positive because they've got the job and they've, you know, had a good, good experience. They might have a bit of feedback about your pre-onboarding, but what you're missing out is the person who was the runner up or who you interviewed in your kind of first cohort who didn't get it. What did they think of that process? Did they think, oh, actually it could have been a bit better. I wanted some more information on this. And it's really insightful to have that. And I say I've been doing it every stage of the process. And it's scary to ask for feedback for people who you're rejecting at application stage because you get a lot of zeros, you get a lot of negativity, a few rude comments here or there, which initially I did take to heart slightly because I was like, oh, my God, am I awful at my job? This person doesn't like me. And then I was like, do you know what? This has nothing to do with me. If I was in that scenario, I applied for a job, I got an MPS survey through and I hadn't had any contact, I'd probably give a zero as well. But in that process, I've been able to have people give comments about, I want more personalised feedback or the process needs to be a bit faster or I'd like to have seen X, Y and Z. And so I don't think people are getting it wrong. I think it's about having the time and actually looking at that whole candidate journey, not just your successful people.
0: And what, how can, so tell us a bit more about how How can we turn a a negative into a positive so how can a candidate rejection still lead to maintaining and even growing your talent pool
1: yeah i've got some kind of good recent examples i'll take one that's more at the interview stage so um i had someone who interviewed for a role um, in our berlin office and she did really really well throughout the throughout the interviews but at that final stage she just wasn't quite at it with the skills that we wanted to she was much better in kind of like a training type of role And so the hiring manager got back to her and kind of gave her some really good feedback, left things open with her. I followed followed up and said, look, this is where where things didn't go quite right, but we really like you. A role came up literally about three weeks later and she now works for us. So by actually giving that feedback and making it constructive and helpful, you can have that really, really work out. I also had someone at the, the inbox stage who I sent a rejection through. Um, which is kind of, you know, your standard automated one. But what change I've made recently is I've put in there, if you'd like to talk about your application, just get in touch with me. And I'd say maybe 10% of people do. Someone got in touch with me and he's like, I, I could really use a bit more feedback on this. I'm a bit unclear. So I told him a bit more about kind of his resume. wasn't It wasn't that coherent. I didn't understand what he did. And I actually ended up giving him a call and we had a conversation about kind of his experience. I gave him some advice on his resume and a position came up in our warehouse because uh, MPB has all the photography equipment and everything. Um, and he now works in a role there. So by just having that sentence in that automated email, giving that personal opportunity to speak, they now work for us. And it's a really. It's a really good feeling to be able to to turn that around because no one likes to be rejected. I remember when I was looking in the pandemic and it was either ghosting or complete nos, and it's it's really tough and it, it brings you down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know you mentioned earlier that the the culprit um, for not providing or receiving or you know giving feedback tends to be um, lack like of time either side. And what so how do we use automation? Um, how do we align our automated tools to to allow us to best to improve the candidate experience in, in the in the in the sentiment of feedback?
1: Mm, yes, I don't do a ton of automation in uh, my work. I have kind of automated emails and things like that, but I actually manually send everything or do like a bulk select when I'm doing rejections and things like that. But I think as long as you've got the right equipment, so if you've got a decent ATS, then it should have triggers within it to be able to kind of move people to the next stage of the pipeline or send out surveys and things like that to be able to get feedback. Um, I'm a bit, I don't know if I'm a bit old school, but automation I think is great for certain things like template emails and stuff like that. But I pride myself on a really human candidate experience. And so it's a person that's gonna read your CV and look at that and respond to you. But the rest of it is just templated. But I think for much larger companies, when you can use a bit of AI, I think that's really good. It's just being aware of the fact that that's going to impact your eD&I because they're just going to read what's on that page. They're not going to see who you are as a person. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And what, what's, the, what's the art of positive rejection? How do we construct our feedback in the best way when the answer is a no?
1: I mean, it's never easy to say no. The way I construct it is in a, I do a positive. So what went really well, what they could have improved on, and then I end on a positive. And I think it all depends on the person, whether they want a phone call or an email. Most people that I tend to deal with want it over email, and then I offer a phone call at the end of it, so that they at least know that there's that option, that they, if they want to have a talk about it. And I think that makes people feel really valued, um, so that it's not just a, all right, some faceless AI has sent me this message and they're never going to communicate with me. Um, But it's horrible to say no. I've rejected millions probably of people throughout my career and I've hired thousands. You know, it's a really different, different way of doing things. And I think it's about doing a lot of empathy and showing that you're a human and actually, you know what, putting on your big girl pants sometimes and picking up that phone and saying, look, this didn't go well, but this is how you can get better.
0: Absolutely. And and how can we use feedback from candidates to overall improve and impact the service we're delivering, do you think? Sorry, what was that? Um, How can we use feedback from candidates to impact the service we deliver?
1: I think it's so powerful feedback because I say when I went through this process, I got a lot of people who just gave me zeros and ones, no context. But it was at that application stage. So I could kind of understand, Okay, they're a bit annoyed that I've said it, but... I've been using a lot of the people who put comments to really understand what's going really well. So people like the fact that we've got a real human touch to it, um, that we go as fast as we can on the people who are kind of more in that passive territory. They're saying things, you know, like I want more personalized feedback. And so I've then taken it and changed my automated email to be able to put a bit more information in there, try and give more personalized feedback when I can Obviously, time being the factor. But understanding what your candidates want and what they are telling you, it it changes everything. It gives me insight into understanding what is it that they want when I'm posting a job? Am I being clear enough? Because what I think is obvious may be completely not to someone who's reading it, who doesn't have the knowledge of the business that I have, for example. Um, And also just it's been a really rewarding experience to to get the positives, but also see those negatives and turn them around just by saying, yep, let's have a conversation and giving a bit more of myself to it, that's improved the service that I deliver because if a person is doing this, then it's it's always going to be a positive. People really want to engage with a human being. And when you're in a job search, it's it's so emotive because you're in this place where you might be, you know, living paycheck to paycheck or struggling and things like that and you get a rejection, and you feel awful and you just think, what am I doing? But if you have the opportunity to talk to someone, you can then just get some tips, get some improvement, and that's a really positive thing. And so it's helping develop me as a person, and then I'm feeling happier and therefore better at my job. Um, And it's giving candidates a voice, which I think to some recruiters might sound a little bit scary to, to just hear from it, like completely unfiltered. And at the start I was quite frightened by it, but it's been fascinating to see what comes through and my MPS has gone you know peeps and troughs throughout this whole process which was a bit of a oh my god what is this going to look like when it comes to reporting time Um, but I prepared my manager that this was going to happen luckily Um, but you can look at those numbers and be like okay I can see an improvement at this point of the journey and I can see how we're going to do better and I've been able to track our improvement in a score since I started this experiment and I think it's all about understanding what it, what is it, what is it that they want from us and trying to implement that rather than asking for feedback and not changing anything which is always the worst.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think I think it should be applauded. Anybody, including yourself, obviously who's who's going and putting themselves out there and asking for that kind of feedback, and in, in you know with the mission to improve things overall. So I think it's it's a, that definitely a commendable thing you've done, and uh, it's obviously proven to be really successful as well. What what's your so what are your top line rules for feedback? Just to close us off, what what would you say are the top line rules for feedback, which you know Helen advocates and you must implement in terms of that.
1: I'd say be open to what candidates are going to say to just start. If you're kind of scared about going on this journey and the numbers not looking so good, it will pay off in the long term because you're going to learn from it. Um, and i also say don't take it personally like I did because there was this initial moment and I just saw someone who wrote something really horrible and I just thought, oh my God, have I what have I been doing in my career for the last 10 years? I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Imposter syndrome raging and things like that. And so for me, that was a moment where I stepped back and I was like, "This has nothing to do with me." If I was in this scenario, I'd probably write—well, I probably wouldn't have written the same thing—but I'd have given a bad score, and that's okay. It's got nothing to do with us. And I think recruiters are massively empathetic people because we deal with people in a really difficult transition of their lives. You know, changing a job's a really big deal. And I think we are naturally scared of those negatives. We always want to put those positives on, secure someone that dream job that they want. But that's not always the case. And when they don't secure it, they will tell you something about your process that will help you. Even if it is just to reconfirm that, you know what, you're actually doing a really good job. And that's okay.
0: Fantastic. What a great place to end that is. Helen, I'm sure people will want to pick your brain around feedback or
1: anything at all around TA. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? LinkedIn is always the best way. I actually say I post on there a lot, so I am always on that platform. Fantastic. All right, Helen, thank you so much for being a part of Talent and Growth. Thanks very much.
0: Hello there, me again. Just wanted to share that we are actually going to be hosting our first ever live event in London at the Warner Brothers Discovery offices on the 19th of October. Talent and growth has come full circle from a a pipe dream to a podcast uh, to a live face-to-face event. Um, So we're very excited about it. Uh, We've got four incredible speakers who will be sharing with us their expert advice on um, how to be better at our jobs, how to hire great people into our businesses. Plus, you're gonna have the opportunity to network with fellow uh, professionals in similar fields to yourself. Um, So if you're interested, uh, we've got an Eventbrite page set up um, and you should be able to find the link uh, in the description of the Talent and Grow podcast on whatever platform uh, you listen to us on. Um, so hope we see you there. Thanks for listening.